and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by James McHenry. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market. And they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome James onto the show. Dr. James McKendry, how are you, mate? I'm doing good, thank you, Solly. Uh, thank you very much for having me. The pleasure is, of course, all mine. So, could you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Absolutely. Um, okay, my name's Dr. James McKendry. I'm a postdoctoral research fellow in Professor Stuart Phillips' Protein Metabolism Research Group and a McCall McBain postdoctoral fellow at McMaster University. My research focus is to explore the adaptive response of skeletal muscle in response to exercise, disuse, and sarcopenia of aging. Uh, I have a particular interest in unique populations such as masters athletes, which I'm actually probably training to be one because I'm a very mediocre actual athlete. <laughs> and you've got a hairline for it as well, mate. I'll let you in. Pres- Precisely. I'm balding before my time and <laughs> sarcopenic obesity is in full flow. <laughs> Mate, it sounds, uh, it sounds like you're living a dream. Um, but uh, so for, for a bit of background, um, we met uh, a number of years ago and lived together. So uh, that's why we can have a little bit of a laugh at each other. I'm not just insulting random guests who come onto our show. I am, but like, uh, at least, uh, at least there's some background to that. Um, but before we uh, dive down a hole of, of misery and insults, um, should we crack on with what we're actually here to discuss? And that's how uh, the impact of inactivity can be uh, potentially reversed or not uh, due to COVID lockdown. So first things first, everyone is, is confined to their houses. Um, we can go outside, but clearly that's uh, can reduce our, our capacity to do so. Um, what are the what then the key measures of inactivity? That's a very good question, Solly. Um, I think the one that most people should be familiar with, particularly with wearable technology as well, is their daily step count. Um, people confined to their houses uh, during lockdown periods typically will perform maybe in the region of a thousand to two thousand steps per day, and I'm sure you're most all aware that that is absolutely nowhere near what we should be achieving, and this can have significant consequences for. A number of health measures. Um, additionally, I guess having gyms closed is and no access to any exercise equipment is going to have a significant impact on their activity levels. And if you're like me, living in Canada where the winters can be absolutely brutal, <laughs> exercising outside is not particularly appealing. <laughs> Mate, what's, the, what's the temperature like now? We're uh, we're hitting December. What's it like for you? It's currently just below freezing, but there's snow on the ground and it's icing. Ice is absolutely everywhere. So, yeah, it's 
is a bit treacherous. If we were in England, though, of course, you know, we'd everything would have ground to a halt by now and nobody would be going to work. So <laughs> at least they're a little better prepared for it here. <laughs> but there's no uh, there's no outside uh, activities, boot camps, that kind of stuff going on, or is that maybe just a little bit more difficult due to COVID? I think so, yeah. So winter combined with COVID, there's very little I've seen going on outside. Some brave souls, like myself, in, at times, will brave the cold and go for a walk or something, or I like to get outside at some point during the day. I still try to hit my 10,000 steps a day goal. Um, otherwise I'd just go completely insane from my basement office. So it just helps me see the outside. Mate, have you got a window in there? A very small one. Honestly, being down here is like a, I feel like a creature from Harry Potter. <laughs> Mate, as long as you don't look like one, you're all good. But, um, so in terms of, in terms of the 10,000 steps, uh, is that something that everyone should be aiming to hit or is that like a, a lower baseline? How does that look? It's a little bit of an arbitrary goal. I think up to a point, increasing your step count has a dose response with health outcomes. So the more doing something is good, doing more is probably better. But there will be some sort of diminishing returns whereby you get no further health benefits from. But I think somewhere between eight to 10,000 is a good target for a daily step count. And that's for like just general people uh, going about their daily lives, right? So not uh, Olympic athletes, for example. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a, a good level of baseline activity for most people to be achieving. Um, if you're an athlete, of course, then that goes on top of your training, I imagine. Yeah, that makes uh, a lot of sense. So uh, you mentioned that if you're confined to a house, then you're going to have far fewer steps. Um, what kind of physiological impact does that have? Very good question. Um, and there's been a bunch of studies now. It's got a lot more attention from the research community, uh, stemming pre predominantly from Dr. Lee Breen's study in 2013, where they showed in older individuals, they reduced their step count to approximately 1,500 by about 75% from seven-ish thousand per day. Um, they showed that insulin sensitivity was reduced in these individuals. So that can be a warning sign for the onset of diabetes. And they also showed that your muscle building response to protein nutrition is suppressed. So those individuals during that time lost half a kilo or almost four percent of their muscle mass in just two weeks that's a lot and what kind of uh, age were those people uh they were older individuals so over the age of 60 um it can be a lot less damaging for younger individuals they still seem to show a suppression in their muscle building response to nutrition however younger individuals still possess the capacity to bounce back from that on return to normal activity whereas older individuals don't seem to have that excuse the football phrase bounce back ability that younger individuals do <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by flex flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market developed by the team at gymwear 
Flex is the only laser-based training system available, and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. But and um, why why is that the case then? What what happens in the the body of uh, of someone who's older compared to a younger person, which means that they they can't bounce back? Um, excellent question, Salt. Um, so our muscle mass is regulated by two processes: muscle protein synthesis or muscle building, and muscle protein breakdown or muscle loss. And the net balance between those two is what dictates the amount of muscle mass that any one individual has older individuals so seem to display this phenomenon called anabolic resistance which effectively means they have a reduced sensitivity to protein nutrition and resistance exercise for example so it elicits a much smaller response in the muscle building in response like yeah Sorry, excuse me. Muscle resistance exercise and protein nutrition elicits a much less, a much lower response in muscle protein synthesis in an older individual compared to a younger individual. And when that suppression is prolonged over a greater period, then that adds up to a loss of muscle mass over time due to this negative net balance. So that's that sounds obviously not ideal, um, and and we've got lockdown in in various phases, and obviously the the rules are different per country per area. But um, you can conceivably have maybe four weeks of lockdown, which would then be double in that uh, with a with a Libre study uh, then used. Um, would that potentially lead to then a a, a zero point eight uh, kilogram loss in muscle mass? I. I, honestly, it, it's hard to say um, doing step reduction studies for extended periods are quite difficult. Tr- try and recruit subjects is an absolute nightmare. Um, the effects of step reduction in two weeks, 4% of muscle mass could likely be extrapolated a little bit. So I imagine you would see a significantly greater amount of muscle mass loss during that period. Hard to say exactly how much, but probably close to double um and that even in so some of brandon shad's phd work showed that step reduction for just one week even in younger individuals can reduce their muscle building response but it's just that younger people still possess this ability to bounce back from anabolic resistance per se so are there any other, other outside of uh, muscle protein synthesis and, and uh, the muscle protein side, I think, are there any other um, key health worries which change then during that kind of uh, two to four weeks of inactivity? Absolutely. Um, one key thing is the insulin sensitivity, which is reduced, and that can have a, be a significant warning sign for the development of type 2 diabetes. Um Perhaps more concerningly, though, the isolation or quarantine periods to disrupt the spread of COVID can have many consequences for mental health as well. 
and people who experience anxiety or depression or emotional distress distress this is something that can be exacerbated in those old particular and it's particularly problematic for older individuals and i imagine for those people the the stress response when it's high if you have a huge cortisol response for example um that's going to further impede your uh yeah uh, muscle protein synthesis for example in this case um and potentially exacerbate other problems absolutely inactivity effectively is no bueno it's not good for you <laughs> if that's the title then we're all good so so um despite lockdown conditions uh what can we do to then counteract all of these particularly horrible effects i think that's a very good point and i want to make it clear that i'm not an advocate of lowering the bar such that i'm not discouraging people from doing physical activity because that's been shown time and time again to have a number of health benefits whether that be muscle mass maintenance body composition anything like that um but i think one of the important things we can do during these lockdowns is interrupt those periods of inactivity and there's a wealth of resources online provided by numerous organizations the american college of sports medicine for one giving you ideas or uh resources to turn to to improve or break up those periods of inactivity so if you have access to exercise equipment gym training at home while gyms are closed that's great but not everybody does and i think there are a number of activities you can do that aren't just solely resistance training with weights that could be beneficial for people um getting up going outside for a walk if you don't live in canada and it's not freezing cold uh a bike ride as i'm sure there is much more popular where you live in the netherlands yeah they do have um, a little bit of a bike ride to be fair <laughs> yeah. uh even something as simple as um putting on some music or taking your dog for a walk and going for it putting on some music and dancing around with your children if you are if you're a parent or taking your dog for a walk or uh, active games with your family, anything just to break up that sedentary time, I think is really critical. So are there, are there then guidelines outside of um, like the standard physical health guidelines, like, uh, I don't know, 30 minutes of moderate exercise, five to seven days a week or whatever? Is there anything that's lockdown specific? Has any organizations given that out? Or is it more like, just go do something? I think so... Uh, the recent World Health Organization guidelines have suggested have kind of pivoted a little bit, and now the recommendations suggest that there might be a more robust dose response. So that um, some exercise is good, more is definitely better, and they've seem to have acknowledged that this sedentary period inactivity is bad so breaking that up they have actually incorporated that into their guidelines uh, which i think is really important fantastic so that's all super interesting stuff um but we want to ask you the most difficult question we can imagine which is <laughs> what is the one thing you see or do differently which the rest of the world can learn from um i think i may have mentioned it to you before you started recording but given my 
interest in muscle physiology and aging and my obscenely mediocre athlete status <laughs> i think the thing that i do well is i'm training for longevity i'm training to be a master athlete when i'm 70 i think that's really cool because you've done research on that as well right like you've got uh, <laughs> you've got all the evidence to show that it's good for you yes i just i'm just well aware that i wouldn't be competitive at anything in my current condition so if i can just keep maybe this condition for 40 years then i'll be i'll be in good nick absolutely excellent mate that's uh, some high goals there so uh james massive thanks for your time today it's been a pleasure thank you very much for having me sol it's been wonderfully enjoyable thank you very much buddy cheers and that's it once again a massive thanks to james for all of his hard work on today's podcast i really appreciate it and i'm sure you do at home too before you leave, I want to pull you in the direction of our free to download performance digest edition. That is our monthly sports science e-magazine, which includes 19 different research reviews. So you can save hours of time as opposed to looking on PubMed, searching for various different and new studies to make sure that you're up to date on all the latest literature. We've done that for you. We've summarized it all with practical key points. So in just an hour's time, you can go through all of the 19 research reviews, make sure you're up to date on all of the latest information, and we can give you that today for free in the show notes. So be sure to click that one and get your free download after the podcast. And whilst you're in the show notes, be sure to hit the subscribe button. So that's available, of course, on whichever sender you're currently listening to, but there's also a host of links there in the show notes too. Hit subscribe and share the good road of the podcast, for example, on social media. That helps us to grow and helps us to bring you the best possible content. So that's it. Once again, a massive thanks. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.